0: Section 16 of The Fourth Dimension Simply Explained by Henry Parker Manning This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Abai in July 2016. Essay 14. The True and False in the Theory of Four Dimensions by Purge de C. Percy Wilcox Goomer, Urbana, Illinois. Oftentimes, a theory that is advanced in good faith by some distinguished authority falls into disrepute because it is appropriated by less intelligent persons and is modified or extended to suit some non-related hypothesis of their own. To mutilations of this character, the theory of four dimensions has become a sad victim. The idea originated as a pure mathematical concept capable of symbolic representation but quite incapable of being visualized. This may be illustrated by a similar concept found in the use of negative numbers. The individual who subtracts 7 from 3 and gets negative 4 has a mathematical conception of its meaning. He does not, however, infer the actual existence of a negative number of objects. It is easy to conceive that when four trees in a garden are cut down, there are four of them missing, yet no person can picture to himself minus four trees, because the mind can visualize only such quantities as result from actual counting. This lack of material existence, however, does not deter anyone from using negative numbers as a shortcut in his calculations. In a similar way, the idea of four dimensions may be used in mathematical calculations and without any implication as to the existence of such a space. Mathematical reasoning has taught us many of the peculiar properties of this much-discussed space. These properties were appropriated by Zöllner and others as explanations of the phenomena of spiritualism. These persons said that spirits live in a space of four dimensions, and that we human beings who are confined to three dimensions are not sensible of their existence except as they choose to enter our limited space these statements they have attempted to prove by means of the geometric properties of a four-dimensional space in this wise the unwarranted extension of a mathematical concept has given the lay reader a much perverted idea of the fourth dimension and it is the purpose of this article briefly to distinguish between the theory as rightfully advanced by mathematicians and the popular conception of the theory after it has been altered to suit the hypothesis of the spiritualists. In all branches of study or enterprise the mind is greatly aided by concrete representation. Drawings or photographs are indispensable accessories in many branches of industry. No contractor would attempt to erect a building without first securing the drawings for it. So too, in mathematics, the possibility of drawing a picture of an algebraic equation greatly simplifies its understanding. Prior to the time of Descartes, the sciences of algebra and of geometry were treated as unrelated subjects. Descartes, however, discovered that algebraic equations of two or three unknown quantities may be conveniently represented by geometric figures. The method of so representing an algebraic equation can be best illustrated by a simple example. We know from elementary algebra that in an equation of two unknown quantities, such as y equals x square minus 2x plus 2, we may assign to x any value that we please. Furthermore, by solving the equation, we can determine for each value that we assign to x a corresponding value of y. For instance, if x is equal to 1, we find that y is equal to 1. If x is equal to 2, y is equal to 2. x is equal to 3, y is equal to 5 x is equal to 4, y is equal to 10, x is equal to 5, y is equal to 17, etc. To interpret these results by a diagram, we draw two straight lines meeting at right angles. These lines we call the axes of reference. Along one axis, we measure from the intersection distances equal to the various values assigned to x as shown by the points a b c d e in figure 1 from these points we measure in a direction parallel to the y axis distances aa prime bb prime cc prime dd prime ee prime equal respectively to the values that were determined for y by the different numbers substituted for x the points a prime, b prime, c prime, d prime, e prime, etc. are said to be points on the curve of the equation. It is evident that by assuming the successive values of x near enough together, we can find an indefinite number of points between those already plotted. Figure 2 shows the curve of the equation. y equals x square minus 2x plus 2 as plotted for values of x from 0 to 5. This concrete representation of an equation may give to the reader but little further information concerning the equation, and the working drawing of any object may be to the layman nothing but a confused mass of lines, yet the drawing conveys to the draftsman or to the mechanic a very exact conception of the object. So, too, the graph or curve of an equation conveys to the mathematician a concise idea of the properties of the equation. Sometimes the engineer or the mathematician desires to plot an algebraic equation containing three variables, such as x plus y plus z is equal to 10. Proceeding as before, it is possible to obtain values of z for particular values of x and y. The values of z, however, cannot be represented on the same plane with x and y, for it is necessary to have a third, a z-axis, along which to measure the values of z, and this axis must be perpendicular to the other two at their intersection. Having assumed a z-axis, we proceed to plot the equation of the three variables in the same manner that equations of two variables were plotted. Particular values for x and y are assumed and the equation is solved for z. The values thus obtained for each of the variables are then laid off in the direction of their respective axes. This concrete representation of equations of two and three variables aided the mind so well in the solution of difficult problems that mathematicians suggested that this interpretation be extended to include equations of four variables such as are sometimes found in problems of electricity and of physics. An equation such as x plus y plus z plus w equals 16 to be plotted requires a fourth, a w-axis, along which to measure the values of w. Such an axis must be constructed perpendicular to the x, the y and the z-axis at their intersection. Here the mathematicians, as the popular saying goes, found themselves up against it, for they could not draw four straight lines mutually perpendicular at a point. This limitation of our space prevented the geometric representation of equations of four variables, but it did not deter further study of the equations. Men are continually calculating what would happen if conditions were different from what they are. The student of history seeks to determine the effect on history if Napoleon had won the Battle of Waterloo. The physicist calculates the probable amount of heat that would be generated if the Earth were suddenly stopped in its orbit. So, too, the mathematician, unable to construct four mutually perpendicular lines, spends valuable time in determining what would happen if it were possible to construct his perpendiculars. This leads him to the concept of four-dimensional space. Here the reader is apt to become confused. The layman, on being told that in a four-dimensional space four straight lines can be constructed mutually perpendicular, immediately seeks to visualize to himself these four perpendiculars. Of course, all such attempts to picture these lines seem futile, and the whole discussion is, forthwith, pronounced a humbug. This, however, is not a fair verdict, because the layman does not usually get the true meaning of the mathematician. It is not meant that these four lines should be actually constructed. That, as far as we are able to know, is impossible. It is perfectly legitimate, however, to calculate what would happen if this were possible, and that is all the mathematician attempts to do. Physical possibility and mathematical possibility are not always identical. A valid mathematical statement may often be quite incapable of physical interpretation, as will be shown by a reference to Euclid's eleventh axiom. A statement is possible, mathematically, if it is self-consistent, and if it does not contradict other assumptions in the same discussion. Euclid, the father of geometry, states in his eleventh axiom that through a given point only one straight line can be drawn parallel to another straight line. Proceeding on the assumption that his axiom was true, he built up a system of geometry. In the early part of the nineteenth century, Lobachevsky, who did not accept Euclid's axiom as true because it could not be proved, said, let us assume that it is not true. Suppose that through a given point more than one straight line can be drawn parallel to another straight line. He then proceeded, by purely mathematical reasoning, to build up an entire geometry based on his new axiom. In itself, this geometry is perfectly self-consistent, and it is mathematically possible. Strange as it may seem, we are unable to prove absolutely which system is the true one. Euclidean geometry, however, is simpler, is more convenient, and has been found to hold true even in the most delicate measurements that are possible. Men will continue to use it in their measurements and calculations, because so far as we are able to judge from empirical knowledge, Euclidean geometry is the true one. So far as our experience goes, all space is three-dimensional, but the statement cannot be proved absolutely. It must be accepted as an axiom. If some Lobachevsky should challenge us for a proof of this axiom, we could give him but little satisfaction. He might then go ahead and assume that space had four dimensions. He could proceed by deductive reasoning to build an entire geometry based on the assumption that this new axiom were true. He might derive formulae for the area of triangles, for the volume of solids, or for the direction of a tangent to a curve. This space of four dimensions would be mathematically possible for all the propositions and deductions concerning it would be self-consistent and not contradictory within themselves. Yet no amount of such reasoning will prove the actual existence of such a space, any more than Lobachevsky proved that any person can really draw through one point two straight lines parallel to a third. It is possible in dealing with equations of two variables to determine, without plotting them, many of the properties of the curves which they represent. By various manipulations of an algebraic equation, higher mathematics enables us to get the length of any portion of the curve, the direction of a tangent to the curve at any point, or the points of intersection of two curves. The method of studying the properties of a four-dimensional space is very similar to that just described for two and for three dimensions. We know that an equation of four variables represents some sort of a configuration in a space of four dimensions, so that by applying the principles of analytic geometry and calculus to the equation, it is possible to determine the properties of the particular figure, solid or body that the equation represents. It is not at all necessary to be able actually to construct these four-dimensional bodies in order to study their properties. As we determined the properties of curves and surfaces by studying their equations, so we may determine by the same process properties of configurations that are represented by equations of four variables. Some of the propositions of a four-dimensional geometry are extremely unique and almost incomprehensible. For instance, a hollow, flexible sphere in a space of four dimensions could be turned inside out without tearing or stretching. If any object were capable of moving into a space of four dimensions, it could not be confined by the four walls of a room and, as soon as it had moved the smallest part of a distance in the unknown direction, it would become invisible. In a space of four dimensions it is possible to revolve an object about a plane, though in three dimensions it is possible to revolve bodies only about straight lines or points. A study of the strange properties of this hypothetical space, though interesting, is quite beyond the scope of this paper. A geometric proof would require a knowledge of very advanced mathematics, and the wonderful feats that might be accomplished by anyone possessing the secret of a fourth dimension have been well portrayed in several popular articles on the subject. Is the existence of a four-dimensional space really impossible is the question most frequently asked. If existence means that the intellectual idea of a thing can be formed, and that this idea shall not lead to contradictions with other well-established ideas and with the results of our experience, then it may be said that four-dimensional space does exist. If, on the other hand, existence is taken to mean objective or actual reality, all that we can say about it is that we do not know. All knowledge proceeds originally from experience, but the amount and the degree of perception possible for our senses is limited. There are many phenomena that are not evident to our senses and which are known only in an indirect way. We know that there are light waves below the red and above the violet end of the spectrum which are invisible to the eye. Usually, the non-observation of a phenomena is taken as strong evidence of its non-occurrence. For instance, there was a time when it would have been a reasonable induction to say that all plants and vegetables are motionless and that animals alone are endowed with the power of locomotion. The perfection of the microscope has, however, shown us that minute plants are as active as minute animals. Hence, we cannot always assert that because we do not observe a phenomenon, that it does not exist. If we insist that everything were just as it appeared to be from our observation, we should be in the position of a child who believes that all people have enough to eat and that all children have nursemaids. The child reasons from uncontradicted experience, and so do we, usually. Although we cannot dogmatically deny the existence of a four dimensional space, even though such a space is inconceivable and impossible for us to imagine, yet we can say with confidence that our universe, as we know it, and every known agency in it, is confined by some unknown law to a space of three dimensions. End of section sixteen.